Thank you, Ben. It's also my opportunity to say Happy New Year, everybody. It's uh, my first Sunday back, and uh, thank you for allowing my wife, Karen, and I. Uh, didn't Karen do a lovely job reading the Bible this morning? It was lovely to have you up here. And uh, it's great to be back, and um, I just want to personally say thank you for those who participated in January through our series, Everyday Faith. Did you enjoy that? I certainly did. I'm still working my way through it, and uh, just a real thank you to those who uh, participated in such a a wonderful way. I certainly was blessed by that. But it's uh, it's often at this time of year when uh, school has returned, who's thankful? School has returned, excellent, and uh, that uh, many of us are returning from holidays. On a Sunday like this, in the early stages of February, we talk about the church, the big C church, not just Door of Hope Christian Church, but the church that Door of Hope Christian Church uh, is uh, a part of, the, the church that Jesus is leading and the church that Jesus is building, and to think about our role in it. Now, this message this morning comes with a little bit of a warning. If there is a, 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 a topic that I am passionate about, it is this one. So permission for passion levels to go a little higher than normal? Is that okay? All right, so hang in there this morning, because here's why. We believe that the hope of the world through Jesus... Is the, the, is the church, is the local church. It's being the church in the world. Here's what we believe, that the church is God's instrument to bring about hope. And you may find yourself here this morning longing for that. Or welcome, by the way, for those who are participating online. For those who, um, it's an instrument to bring about life and love and freedom to this fragile and uncertain world. One of the questions our society has been asking nearly for around about 12 months now is, what is essential? What is essential? And we kind of went through that time, didn't we? Who, who and what is essential? What business activities in society is essential? What activities are essential for us to when we're in lockdown, to keep life and keep society moving. Now, of course, depending on the state, depending on the country in which you live, there are a few changes here and there. Supermarkets are essential. Uh, Apparently, bottle shops were also essential. The entertainment industry became essential. In Paris, by the way, it was interesting to read in my research of this. Paris, everything in lockdown. I mean everything except... In the shops, you walk down the main street, the one shop that was open and the only shop that is allowed to be open is the chocolate shop. (laughs) I don't know if this is correct, but uh, uh, don't quote me if it's not. But in Greece, you have to, in lockdown, you have to SMS the government if you want to leave your home. There are changes depending on where you live to what is essential, of course, mental health and substance abuse uh, were on the rise. Um, uh, Spousal abuse was on the rise. Child abuse, of course, was on the rise. And the World Health Organization admitted that lockdowns are detrimental to the mental health of a society. It's in fact estimated... 130 million people could starve to death 
because of lockdown. You think about it. Now, we've got a pretty good here. You think about it. There are so many cultures across the globe at poverty level who don't have the ability to stay home. They have to go out and work to collect an income. Now, back to the question, who is essential? What is essential to society? Now, the short answer is this, is you are, you are to God individually and to this world. But also, the church is essential. The gospel is essential. Salvation is essential. Now, we're starting to get a little bit excited about the vaccine, aren't we? The vaccine, we're starting to get a bit excited about that. Now, most vaccines, from my research, about 30 to 40% are effective, right? Um, this COVID vaccine that eventually will come is, is estimated to be around about 90 to 95% effective, and by the way, as deadly as COVID is, you have a 99.98% chance of surviving it. Now, there is a virus. There is a virus far worse than COVID-19. And that's what makes the church essential. And it's called sin. It is 100%, 100% fatal unless... Unless there's a change in a person's life. It kills everyone who does not deal with it at the cross. But there's a vaccine for it. And it's not 95% effective. It is 100% effective. And it's by the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sin. Amen? Amen. And so we are the people of God. And here we have this gigantic opportunity to be God's representatives in this world. The mission for God's representatives in this world is not just to get to heaven, but it's to be the light of the world. It's the potential and it's the power of pe the people of God for the greater good of this fragile and uncertain world. And this city is counting on us. To what? To show God's goodness. To show God's greatness. To show God's mercy and his power. And here at Door of Hope, we're creating community and we're building culture. And, uh, for example, your family has a culture. You know, when you, sometimes you go and visit or you go for somebody's place for a meal and it's a little bit different how they go about it or whatever it might be. Your family has culture. Your school has a culture. Your workplace has a culture. Even our country and other countries we will eventually be able to revisit uh, have cultures. It's that internal brand. It's how we talk. It's how we act. It's how we behave. And guess what? Churches also have a culture. And so once again, we're creating community, which is really important, as we've found out even more this last 12 months, well, nearly. But we're also building culture. But here's where it gets a little bit tricky. You see, we're all coming from different communities and also different cultures. But 
we have this opportunity to form a common culture together. And so, when people think of Door of Hope, people think of Door of Hope Christian Church, many people would say, well, I actually get what they're trying to do. I get where they're coming from, what they're trying to build, what they're trying to, who they're trying to become. They tend to understand our cultures. For example, for example, if I was to say here at Door of Hope, help me out regulars and those who have been here for a while, new people forget about this, all right? But listen, listen, of course. If I were to say that our mission here at Door of Hope is to become increasingly Jesus-centered, others-focused, come on, together in community. That's our mission. Jesus, others, together. That's a pretty good mission. We also say as we go about those three things, Jesus, others, together, we'll achieve our vision of being a what? A door of hope through Jesus Christ in a fragile and uncertain world. We also, what helps us get to that are three goals. We set four or five years ago now to grow him, H-I-M, to grow hope, invitations, and mercy. They're the three goals we've really been focusing on, to grow hope. A thousand stories. We've collected over 600 stories. Can you believe that already? 600 stories. And I'm sure there are many more we haven't collected. Invitations to develop that culture that we're invitational church, to a course, to church, to do life with us together in community, and to grow mercy. And uh, the six values, this is a reminder of our six values, they're, they're on the screen there in front of you, powerful prayer, passionate pursuit of lost people, being a positive, caring community, a purposeful living, that you have a purpose, a profitable stewardship. We want to be good stewards, managers of what God has blessed us with, and we want to be persistently personal growing. Now, our vision drives us, but our values create the culture. And these are non-negotiable. These are what determine how we are going to behave. And so the overriding thing, that's just a little quick summary of who we are as Door of Hope Christian Church, but I want to get bigger now. Big letter C, if that's okay. Because what's going to uh, uh, be the overriding theme of my message this morning is this, that Jesus loves the church. Jesus loves the church because if you meet someone who says, well, I love God, and I love Jesus, but I don't need the church, I would say you have the wrong Jesus because he loves the church. And there are a few passages, one of the passages from Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to get to in a moment, but there are a few passages I want to draw upon this morning that will help explain this. I'm going to move through reasonably quick here in my introduction, but I want to come from Jesus' point of view here this morning. So, First of all, why do we have to gather as the church? Well, one man asked his wife that particular question. It was a Sunday morning. His wife had gotten dressed. She was ready for church. She noticed her husband, for whatever reason, was still in his pajamas. She says, you better get dressed for church. He says, I'm not going to church. She says, give me one reason why you won't go to church. He says, well, in fact, I'm going to give you three reasons why I won't go to church. Number one, the church is cold and uncaring. Number two, nobody there likes me. And number three, I just don't feel like it. And she said, well, I'm going to give you three reasons why you should go to church. Number one, the church is warm 
and forgiving. There's a few people there who do like you. And by the way, you are the pastor. I don't know if Wayne's in the house, but uh, I'll get the thumbs up, Wayne. <laughs> so, can I be a Christian without going to church? Now, to ask a question like that is, can I be a football player without a team? Can I be a bee without a hive? Can I be a drummer without a... Oh, the drummers. But no, you can't. You can't. Can I be a Christian without getting together with other Christians? First of all, I think one of the things I would say to a person like that is, well, why would you ever think you'd want to do that in the first place? See, attending a gathering like this fuels our faith. Bottom line, faith rarely grows in isolation. It also enables service. It enhances our humanity And it provides accountability for the world in which we live. We all want to go about doing our own thing. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 1 would clearly, that's your homework, Proverbs 18 1, clearly say it's a dangerous, dangerous thing. And so make it a priority this year to attend a gathering like this, to attend Door of Hope. It's not just about you, by the way. It's not just about you and Jesus. That's a fallacy. Everything the church was created for is about who? It's about us. But because of the world in which we live, me and my Facebook, me and my Instagram, me and my personal feed, I, I curate what I want, what, when I want it. That's what we used to, that it's all about me. You see, in the church, it's not about you and Jesus. Well, Steve, I have my own personal relationship with Jesus. What that person is actually trying to say is that they have their own private relationship with Jesus. But you don't. It's not about Jesus and you. It's about Jesus and us. That's the design of the church. When Jesus says, I am creating a new community, it's done collectively. The prayer that Jesus taught his followers to pray is, My Father. What did he say? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Forgive us. Give us. It's us. It's us. It's us. It's not just me. It's us. We can help one another together in community. And that's why he loves the church so much. Number one, I'm going to move through this quickly. The church was one of the rewards of his resurrection. He was was appointed the head of the church. Ephesians 1, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his, love this, incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him where? At his right hand in the heavenly realms. Verse 21, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things, how many? All things under his, whose feet? Jesus' feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body. Here's another point. It's his 
body, the fullness. This is another point, the fullness. The church is His fullness. The way in which Christ is made full on the earth is through the church. The fullness of Him who fills everything in every way. The fourth thing, so there's three things. Did you capture them? The fourth thing is that the church displays the wisdom of God. I'm going to keep moving quickly here. Um, I've got eight of these. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, his intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God, that's what we're praying for our elders for this morning, should be made known to the rulers and authorities. Where? In the heavenly realms. In other words, God's telling something to the heavenly world about himself through his body for which he is the head called the church, the body that is. Number five, the church is how we know his love and how we become like him. Verse 17 to 18, uh, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, long, high, and deep is the love of Christ. And that's why Jesus loves the church. It's when we grasp just how grand and how great that his love for us is. Number six, the church is a way, the, is a way the glory of God is broadcast to the world. Paul would go on and say, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So here's what we've got. We've got the Christ is glorifying God. We've got the church who is glorifying God. And through Christ and his church, which he is the head of, that's how God intends to get his glory on earth. Number seven, because he gave himself for the church. Chapter five, verse 25 in Ephesians. Husbands, love your wives. There's a message right there. Husbands, love your wives just as... And as we think about what he's trying to say, think about how Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. The church is so valuable, so valuable to Jesus that he literally gave himself completely and utterly for her. Number eight, final one before I get into the crux of this, and it's this, that the church is his bride. And what a beautiful picture that is, men. Do you remember the day, if you have the privilege of being married, seeing your bride come down that aisle? That See, Jesus loves her so much that he gave himself up for her. Verse 26 to 27, and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a what? A radiant church. That was a part of our vision when we relocated from Frederick Street to see a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Verse 31, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm not talking about that. It's kind of like that, but I am talking about Christ and the church. You see, that's what moves the heart of Jesus today. What is it? It's his love for the church for which he is the head. We are the body. He is the groom. We are the bride. Do I hear an amen in the house this morning? Come on. Woo. 
But how does the church get it so wrong? Uh, capital C, capital C. How does, the, how does the church sometimes get it so wrong? Here's the answer. It's quite simple. People. People. If you're a person, put your hand up nice and high. If you're a person, if you're a person, some of you are a little confused about it. Oh, man. What's wrong with the church? It's people. It's people. And if you raised your hand, you are what's wrong with the church. Here's, here's why. Come with me. Come with me. People fail. People lie. People twist things. People pollute things. People pervert things. People ruin things. People people, people complicate things. People misguide things. That's what's wrong with the church. Now, with that said, with that said, I want to look at the heartbeat of the church this morning because I want us to understand where we came from. Where did the church begin? Not geographically in Jerusalem after the resurrection of Jesus. Not that. Where did the church begin spiritually? What is our origin? And the answer is this. It's in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. And that's at the heartbeat of any church who says, Jesus, be the center. Not a denomination, not a movement. By the way, we considered here Churches of Christ Australia as a movement similar to that of a denomination. But the terminology movement is whom we are. And so the heartbeat, the heartbeat of the church of Jesus that he loves is the gospel story of Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2, in which my wife beautifully read this morning, should be the flag, should be, should be the banner, should be the banner of the church over Door of Hope Christian Church. Verse 1 to verse 9. Let's have a quick read. I'm going to take this apart a bit and I'm done. As for you, as for you, Paul says, verse 1, just keep this up for a moment. As for you, who's the you? Who's the you? It's the church. It's um, the church at Ephesus, it's a very, the very early church planted by the apostles uh, in a little town called Ephesus, um, who many of them came, come to, had come to faith, they trusted the cross, they believed in the resurrection, and they had new life in Christ. This was a brand new church. And Paul says, as for you, oh my Read in the context of chapter 1, which we've just taken apart a little bit. As for you, you were what? You were dead. <laughs> you were dead, church. You were dead. Uh, this is a big statement coming from the Apostle Paul. Why? Because dead is worse than bad. Dead is dead. Now, what I mean, okay, express pause, Steve, um, spiritually. Spiritually dead. And that's our beginning. That's our beginning. As people who are led by Jesus, we were all dead spiritually. 
It wasn't that we were at another church or um, we weren't in church or anything like that. It was that we were, we were dead. As for you, you were dead in your what? In your transgressions and sin. By the way, that's what sin does to you. It makes you dead. Not bad. It makes you dead. And by the way, by the way, any theologian would say this. The gospel is not about sin management. The problem that you and I have is a death problem. A death problem. Sin is just the symptom And so death is the main problem. You will always need Jesus as your source of life. Sin is what, yes, you need cleansing from, but death is a far bigger issue than that of sin. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. I'll read on uh, in verse 2. In which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Verse 3. All of us, not some of us, not most of us, but it's all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Sin doesn't disadvantage us. It deadens us. And spiritually, we did not have a chance with God. That is where we were. But I'm so thankful for this next verse in verse 4. That's the word, but, but, because of death, because of wrath, but, It's not the last word in the Bible. It doesn't say the end. It doesn't say amen. But because of his great love, here's here's the banner over the church. Because of his great love, we're going to start writing some words here. Okay, here's the first word, love for us. God who is rich in, here's another word we're going to write over the, the banner of the church, is mercy made us alive. He didn't make us better. He made us alive. He didn't improve us. He made us alive from the dead with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. This is another word for the banner over the church. It's by grace you have been saved and God raised us up with Christ and sealed us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. There's that word again, expressed in his, here's another word, here's another word for the banner over the life of the church and it's kindness. We've got what? Love, mercy, grace, kindness to us in Christ Jesus. The banner over the church is love. Didn't we sing a song back in the day? Joel's not here to sing that song. So, Danielle, you're going to have to, no, 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 no. Mercy, grace, kindness, verse 8. For it is by, here's this word again. For it is by what? Grace, you have been saved through faith. It's faith. We don't walk by sight. We don't walk by fear. We walk by faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift. Here's a gift from God. God hates me. No, this is a gift from God. Not by works so that no one can boast. So here's our beginning spiritually, church, that we were once dead. But we are now alive. What's on our banner? You are welcome here. 
You will find love here. Come as you are here. That there's kindness here for you. That there's mercy for you. Do you need grace in? Is that what you need in your life? That's the banner over the church and our lead story is Jesus and that he is alive and he's offering those things and so much more to our, as a gift, as a gift to the dead, as a gift. Oh, by the way, just one more thing for the banner over the life of the church and it's this, it's called transformation. And in verse 10 it says, for we are God's handiwork. You're not a mistake. You're not an accident. If you start questioning who and why and why you and this and that, you are not an accident. Someone needs to hear that this morning. For you are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to what? To do good works. It's a, it creates a good society, doesn't it? Which God prepared in advance for us to do. There's the banner over the life of that church. What is it? It's love. It's mercy. It's grace. It's kindness. And he's transforming each of us. Why? Why? So our lives could change and transform and become everything that God set in motion for us when he made us alive and we could walk in all the good works that God had prepared for us up out of the grave with a hope and possibility of becoming new people in Christ. Therefore, verse 11, therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by faith, what does that mean? You weren't even a Jew. That's what it means. You were doubly doomed. You were dead spiritually. You were in trouble big time. But, the but's about to come, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. Here it is. But now... But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near. Here it is. By what? By the blood of Christ. But now, but now, God has such confidence that he can build his church with people like you and like me. He believes it will endure and he hands it to people like you and me because, because of the foundation that has been built upon verse 19 to 22 and this is it. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers. But, love the butts of the Bible. I will write a book one day about the butts of the Bible. But fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And I've read some stories about these guys and they did some dumb things as well. It gives us hope. I love the story of the elders interview there this morning. It gives us hope. They're not perfect people as they said themselves. In whom, in whom uh, the corner, where was it? The build the foundation of the apostles with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. We have two pictures here. We have a collective we. And we have a collective me. The collective we is this. We are becoming the household of God. The collective me is the becoming a carrier. A carrier of the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. And the only way, the only way to become a part of the church of Jesus Christ globally is by being brought back from the dead spiritually 
being brought back from the dead. It's when you live that resurrected life, all you want to do is sing. Come on. All you want to do is sing. All you want to do is, 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 is dance. All you want to do is shout. All you want to do is, is gather and connect because the dead are now alive. It's, where, it's a place where everybody's welcome, that nobody's perfect, and that anything is absolutely possible. Let me finish by saying this before we stand. By the way, we're going to sing the first song. This wasn't programmed in, but when I stood there this morning and sang that first song, this first song that we sang, we sang this morning. I guess they'll be up here in a moment. Um, um, it just summarizes what we're sharing about this morning so beautifully. Where was I? I've lost my spot. Um, oh, that's right. That's why I love the church. That's why I love the church. Is there anything wrong with it? Yes. You and I are wrong with it, but so, so right. I know there's another argument to that. Because all churches, I want to say this, because all churches are made up of imperfect people. I cannot promise you that failings will never happen in our church family. But I can promise you that we will always own up to our failings immediately. We will admit them freely and correct them as fast as we possibly can. That's what's so amazing about when we gather that Jesus, Jesus wants to come and hang out with us, with us, that he chose to give himself to us. How? With love, with mercy, with grace, with, with kindness and his transformational work. I am so glad that the church that I get to go to is led by the one who loves all people and committed to see those who are dead come alive. I want to encourage you this morning to not put your hope in being churches of Christ, being Baptist, being Catholic, being Anglican, being uniting, being COC, CRC, Triple C, all the other C's you can possibly think of. But to put your hope in the gospel. What's the gospel? That I was spiritually dead and could do nothing. But Christ came and he did everything. And through faith, it's a faith journey in him, in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. I, we are alive forever in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.